0: AgriTalk is brought to you by full scale from helena grow strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from full scale at reproduction and by propane propane is the energy for everyone especially farmers environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm see how at propane.com the grain markets were wildly mixed today with beans and meal leading price strength As traders were forced to consider a worst-case scenario for the Argentine bean crop, the cattle complex was higher following last week's gains in the cash market, while front-month lean hogs slipped to the lowest close in two weeks.
1: Live from a wild, wild start to the work week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Talk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Chris Barron from AgView Solutions. Later, Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. And right after the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flori. All right, Davis, thank
0: you very much. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a wild week to, or wild way to start the week. The soy complex was mostly higher except for soybean oil, which was lower because they had to be in part of the you know, the the wild kind of trade that we saw today as well. Corn call it steady to slightly lower, and wheat futures were lower. So it, it uh, and not only that, but the whole lean hog complex was trying to trade to the upside early in the day. Yeah. And by the time we got to the closing bell, the the front month contract, the April contract, more than a buck lower on the close.
1: Eh, I can't get behind that.
0: Kind of felt like a give-up day again in the Mm -hmm. hog market. Mm -hmm. Thursday last week felt like a give-up day. Today felt like a give-up day. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, hey, I got a little bit of good. Oh, boy. Maybe I am a little. No, it's back to looking gloomy out there. I was thinking I was going to be able to talk about the sun's trying. It's trying to come. Eh, I'm not even going to give it a trying mark anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, Uh,
1: this is no good
0: no no not at all i would just assume let's get some sun rolling in here but based on the conversation that we had this morning with brett waltz from bamwx.com the upper midwest north of me in northern iowa uh really looking at the potential for some heavier snows yet this week and then the whole Midwest, just looking at some below-normal temperatures, it, mm-hmm. right right through the middle of the month.
1: So it's possible you've you have ju- you've chronicled your last glimpse of sunshine for a week, just now.
0: Oh my goodness! I was that not, do for you, dude. Huh? You know, I know that's not true. I know that's not true. Do you know why I know that's not true? Why is that? Because I'm going to Orlando on <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> that's, cheating.
1: <laughs> that's cheating. That's ah. cheating.
0: Ah, (laughs) that's that's the break that refreshes right there. You bet. You bet. Looking forward to that. We got Commodity Classic coming up the second half of the week. So I'm looking forward to getting down there and uh, seeing some some good friends and making new friends and and talking with you definitely brightened
1: when you mentioned it. I did.
0: I did. (laughs) Yes. Let's get to the news. What do you
1: got? Chip export inspections of wheat weekend March 2, 268,000 metric tons. That was short of trade expectations. Traders are watching the process to extend the grain deal between Russia, the UN, Turkey, and Ukraine. Any sign of progress would ease concern about global grain supplies for at least the next three months. Traders are also watching development of the U.S. hard red winter wheat crop. A stretch of below normal temperatures and occasional frosts will slow development of the crop this spring. May hard red winter wheat futures fell to the lowest level in 13 months, and today's high range open and low range close suggest downside momentum is building again. May hard red winter wheat futures 18 and one half cents lower, 7.97 and three quarters. May soft red wheat down 13 and a half to 6.95 and a quarter. May spring wheat close at 8.61 and one half, down 11 and one quarter. We hung a seven handle on the May hard red, a six handle on the May soft red chip.
0: Yep, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it's starting to feel a little more serious now. 13-month lows since last February. This is the lowest close that we've had in that May HRW contract. That's that's building the downside momentum.
1: Well, corn export inspections in the weekend of March 2nd, it totaled nearly 900,000 metric tons. That easily topped trade expectations. USDA this morning also announced the sale of 110,000 metric tons of U.S. corn to Japan and the sale of more than 182,000 metric tons for delivery to unknown destinations. Both sales for delivery in the current marketing year. May corn futures posted an inside trading day with a high-range open and a mid-range close. May corn futures were two and three quarters lower, 637. July corn slipped two and a half, 625 and a half. December corn futures closed at 570, down a penny on the day. It seems to kind of drip and drab lower here, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to
0: ask Jack if that is a failure to go up on good news because that was a good export inspection number and throw a little bit of demand on top of it and the market can't go higher. That's troubling.
1: Soybean export inspections totaled just over 542,000 metric tons. Export inspections are still 2.9% ahead of the year-ago pace compared to USDA's estimates that exports will fall 8% this year. Soybean meal futures led strength in the soy complex with traders now trying to figure out just how low is low for the Argentine bean crop Traders now seem to be building in expectations the RG crop will be less than 30 million metric tons may bean futures posted a fourth consecutive price gain with the close above the opening range to reverse last week's downside price momentum may beans 10 and one quarter cents higher 1529 July beans up 10 and three 4 cents, 1516 then three quarters. November beans closed at 1379 and one quarter, up six and one quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, more than
0: whittling away at the Argentine crop. I don't think there's any question about that.
1: December cotton, 88 points higher, 85.14 today. On the livestock's April fat cattle were 67 and one half cents higher at 166.10. April feeders jumped to 57 and one half to 198.60. And April lean hog futures a buck seven and one half lower. 83 47 and one half chip
0: all right thank you very much davis let's bring in jack scoville the price futures group good afternoon jack
2: afternoon what's new and exciting on your side
0: well i would like to be a little more excited about what's going on in corn but when the corn market won't rally on a solid export inspection number and export sales it makes me a little more than worried
2: Well, I don't blame you. I I was a little disappointed by the price action here today as well. And I, you know, I think it's been demand led sell off and we're having trouble shaking the, uh, lack of demand blues, even when, you know, the last couple of weeks we've actually had some pretty good demand start to show up. Hasn't really appeared in the export sales reports, but, um. Uh, It will, like maybe this week, as a matter of fact, I think the export sales for this week should be pretty strong and it's looking like next week will be pretty strong as well. So I do think, and when you look at it, you know, Brazil uh, is going to be, is now uh, switching over and exporting soybeans. So they're going to be out of the corn market for a while. So we really should be able to start seeing some uh, better demand for U.S. corn. And uh, the price action has been disappointing, to say the least, because, uh, because of, at least from my point of view, because of the expectations that I'm holding. But I yeah. think there's very few people looking for any type of demand increase for corn, and I really don't understand why that should be.
0: Yeah, okay. You know, the old crop bean market jumped right back on top of 15 bucks, like it's supposed to be there, didn't it? well the beans have been
2: uh, beans have been something pretty special and i think it's all because i i agree with uh, your analysis i believe it's all because of argentina and but then then again i go back to my feeling about what's going on down in brazil you know they're going to have 152 153 million tons so even even if uh, the argentines don't don't come up with the beans and they're not yep. going to there's going, to be a, there's going to be beans available for export, and they're going to be available for export, like, this week.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right, Jack. Good stuff, man. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. All right. That's Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Chris Barron, AgView Solutions, next.
3: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything.
1: Find out whose fence they're perched on today on Agritalk. All
0: right. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are spending some time with us this afternoon. Davis Michelson is here as well. Did we get everything in on the livestock? I think the most important thing. On the livestock, at the end of last week, was there was strength in the cash mark, cash cattle market again at the end of last week, so that yeah. box beef market has been supporting mm-hmm. the the packers to bid a little bit more aggressively. Uh, I don't know if it's done everything that that we thought it could do at this point, but hey, here we are again. We got that April well, contract up, a one, up up above one sixty six.
1: Yeah, and you kind of poo pooed the hog market today, and it was pretty meh in the April. But yeah. the June contract was steady at one hundred dollars sixty two and a half cents. Right. I don't right. know if I got that in or not, but uh, may- maybe that makes you feel yeah. a little better. Combine that I'm, with the uh, the Orlando thing, and I think you'll be sitting straight. I think
0: I'm feeling pretty good all of a sudden. Boy. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: that's what we like to hear.
0: So you you know, get this. That's the first time the April contract, April live cattle contract, has closed above one sixty six. Poked mm-hmm. above it. A couple of times, mm-hmm. but never managed to get that close above 166 until today.
1: Got her by a dime, too.
0: Yeah, it's look, boy, that's uh, that is a grinded out rally that we've got going in that live cattle market. It's doggone nearly bottom left to top right on the charts right now for a full year, for a full year. I, it's impressive. OK, let's bring him in here. Chris Barron, AgView View Solutions. Chris, how you doing, man? Doing great. How are you, Chip? Doing real fine. Real fine. You know, it's that time of the year where things uh it, it's it's going to be hard to be in a bad mood here pretty soon is when the seed starts going in the ground, isn't it?
5: Yeah, exactly. Everybody gets gets uh when the weather gets decent and planters start getting parked in the yard and you can yeah. you can smell the soil and stuff, people's attitudes change a little bit. Definitely. Definitely no doubt. No doubt.
0: Okay, so in your meetings with your clients, and I know you still got them going on, Chris, uh, and to to finish up final plans on twenty three. But yep. uh, th- what's the attitude? What do you what do you pick up from your from your people when they think about the twenty three crop?
5: Yeah, uh, a lot of things. There's a lot of risk out there. Uh, speaking of that, uh, this yeah. morning I I was on. Uh, our podcast with Steve Johnson, and by the way, oh, yeah. he said to tell you hi, yeah, hey, so Steve. He, yeah, he said, Tell you hi. He said, He said you would know what he meant when he said Steve's headed for Kansas City. So, whatever boy. That means, but let's go cyclones, <laughs> let's
0: go cyclones.
5: <laughs> so, but uh, no, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, everybody's got a little different situation. Um, the one common theme that we're seeing is that corn is way more productive and profitable, I should say, than, than soybeans or wheat, um, by a long shot in most operations. There's exceptions to that, of course, but, um, attitudes are good. Um, not as good in the last week or and a half or so though, as they were, I think, you know, there's, you know, a lot of our clients had sales on the books. I mean, a lot of our clients are sitting in that 30, five to 40% price sort of on average and, you know, okay. everywhere from nothing done to hundred percent protected, you know, and so it's kind of all over the board. And I think right now it's, it's that, you know, take risk off the table, pay attention to your insurance. You're putting the, the most expensive crop in the ground that you've ever planted before. And so I think it's, it's, uh, before we uh, get the planter out in the middle of the yard, I think we really need to dig down to the numbers and make sure we've got uh our risk management plan really dialed in both on the crop insurance side and the marketing side in concert I think is really key
0: yeah so as as far as there being any maneuverability on the acreage mix for this year it when the when the spring crop insurance price was set uh five geez what was it 70 no 591
5: Right. Five, 5.91 on corn and, and 13.76 on soybeans. Yep. Right,
0: okay. That was a, like a 2.33 to 1. On Friday, that rat ratio had moved to a 2.4 to 1, where all of a sudden maybe it starts to make a little bit more sense on soybeans. Has there been any movement because of that?
5: No, <clears throat> I don't think you're going to see much movement back to soybeans unless we really see that change even more yet okay. partially because when you look at the risk mitigation on the crop insurance and what you can insure for protection on the corn if they were already planted on corn i don't see any of those acres going back okay. to soybeans in fact you know I, and, and i'm also would say though that i'm not sure that many of those acres are would go the other way either so i think okay. you know a lot of producers pretty much got their minds made up at this point. There'll, there'll be there could be some shift, um, but my my bet would be that they, there would still be a few back to the corn acres when they look at the crop insurance and look at the risk mitigation. And it also depends on what a person has sold too. If you if you're forty percent sold and you start moving stuff around, all of a sudden you're a lot higher percent sold on one or the other crops too. So there's a lot of equations there. To a little bit of algebra to say. One thing I want to say too is um, you guys had Jared Creed on last Thursday and I'll put yeah. a plug in for that. I, I think I listened to that podcast three times. Yeah. And I think people, if nobody's listened to that, they need to go back and listen yep. to that. Um, yep. cause it was a, a critical conversation and, and, you know, we'll get into working capital and stuff here too, but the message was awesome. And it was, yeah. I think those are the things we got to pay attention to.
0: Yep. Yep. I listened to it again yesterday afternoon on, on a drive home. So yeah, no, you're right. It's, uh, it, it is worth listening to just the concepts that he was talking about. What, well, what did you take away from it the most?
5: Uh, protect working capital. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I mean, I can show you what 13 through 19 did to a lot of operations and it just oh. wrecked a Let lot of working capital positions. And it took twenty, twenty one, and 22. And, and we were blessed with, good prices and good yields or Trump bucks or whatever it was, but we saw a heal, a healing process occur in that three years that I've never seen before in 27 years of crunching numbers with producers. I've never seen that kind of a, of, of a healing process on working capital. Mm-hmm. Now the challenge is going to be keeping it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I always just tell my kids that, you know, it's easy to it's, it's easy to spend money. It's hard to make it. I mean, if you got a glass of sand and, and you pour water in it and that's money, it's easy to pour it out, but good luck trying to get it back out, you know? So you got to yeah. protect, you really have to protect this working capital and, and um, you know, I, I'm going to sound like an insurance salesman and I am not, thank God. But, um, <laughs> you know, this is, if there was ever a year, and this isn't advice, but if there was ever a year to make sure you have at least what you had last year or go up a level. If you were at 75, looking at 80, or if you were at 80, looking at 85, the cost is significantly less this year than last year on, on most of the premiums we're looking at. And you're protecting, you know, a a significantly expensive um, crop input here that we've not really ever seen before.
0: What does that decision-making process look for you and your, look like for you and your clients, Chris?
5: Well, one of the things we've been looking at this year, and and nobody knows if this is going to happen, but it looks to me like you know we've got a pretty strong spring price, and it's it rhymes a little bit. You never want to say like it's the same as twenty thirteen, but mm-hmm. it kind of rhymes a little bit with you know sure we, we came out of twelve with a really high price, and now all of a sudden it looks like we're going to maybe have. Um, the potential for a significantly lower price in the fall. Well, when you buy your insurance coverage, and that and, and Jared talked did a great job talking about this, but when that price goes up, or excuse me, when that price goes down in the fall, that raises your um your bushels coverage. And, you know, the lower it goes in the fall, the the better off you are on the insurance um hmm. portion of the equation. And yep. so we're looking at a lot of operations, if they yield their APH and we drop to Say five dollars, even, and yeah. you get sub five dollars, and pretty much everybody's in the money. Then, if you, yeah. you know, if you're at an eighty-five percent level of coverage, and 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 it doesn't take long, and eighty starts to catch it too. So, I think a, a person really has to run that scenario. I mean, we have a tool that we use to to run that. If, if somebody wants that, I mean, we we'll, would send that out. It's just, it just a, it we call it a fall price estimator, and and you can just kind of estimate what you think is going to happen in the fall. Nobody knows, but if you can run scenarios, it does help with that decision process.
0: Okay. Um, What I've only got, we've only got about 30 seconds left, but I'm going to make it, make the comment or question anyway. Why is the, why is the decision-making process different this year than it was last year?
5: Uh, You're going to have, I need more than 22 seconds here probably for that one, but but well, no, then it's, let's it's just chit chat
0: here for the next twenty two seconds, and we'll try. How's things going, Chris? <laughs> Everything all right?
5: It's yeah, it's going great. We're uh, we're super busy, and and I think people have really paid attention to the numbers this year, and excited to talk to you in the next segment about kind of kind of the okay. three big areas that we're seeing costs increase. Yep. Okay, we're going to
0: talk about that. What makes the decision making process different? last year to this year and how you can use those differences in uh in making the decision on on what you should be doing this year and you know i hear that everywhere it's the most expensive crop ever planted okay well what's behind those expenses and it's not just fuel and fertilizer i'll guarantee that chris barron here on agritalk
3: to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest timing is everything
4: The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible.
1: Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Dry areas of southwest Argentina are likely to receive some rains this week. Central and southeastern areas of Argentina will be mostly dry but could receive needed rains next week. The Turkish foreign minister said on Sunday that Ankara is working hard to extend the Black Sea grain deal. Agraral estimates Brazil's soybean harvest reached 43% complete as of last Thursday and said Safrina corn planting advanced to 70% done, though that was behind 80% at this time last year. Ukraine's Academy of Agricultural Science says most of that country's winter grain crop is in good condition and could could produce average yields. Chinese officials are aiming for around 5% GDP growth this year, a relatively conservative goal, and its lowest target for more than three decades. News of note taken from the pages of ProFarmer. Try ProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. I like this bump. I do too.
3: That's really cool. Yeah. All
0: right, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. We're in the middle of a conversation with Brian, with Chris baron uh egg solutions before we get back to chris let's go ahead and recap where the markets close
1: well chip may hard red winter wheat futures were 18 and one half cents lower today 7.97 and three quarters on the close may soft red wheat down 13 and one half cents 6.95 and a quarter may corn futures were two and three quarter cents lower 6.37 Deese corn closed at 570 that's down a penny today May beans ten and one quarter cents higher, fifteen twenty nine. Novi beans closed at thirteen seventy nine and one quarter. That's up six and one quarter cents. December cotton eighty eight points higher, eighty five fourteen. April cattle sixty seven and one half cents higher, one sixty six and ten. April feeders were up two fifty seven and one half, one ninety eight sixty. And April lean hogs were a buck seven and one half lower at eighty three forty seven and one half. But again, Chip. Yeah, the June contract was steady, $100.62 yeah. and a half. Very That's good. That's a quick market recap. Over to you. Thanks, buddy. All right. Let's yeah. get
0: back to Chris Barron, AgView Solutions. So, Chris, what makes it so different, uh, the decision-making for 2023 versus
5: twenty two. Well, we've seen quite a bit of inflation again this year. Even over last year, um, we see a cost production increase you know, um, in corn versus last year of another $120 an acre more, just put the corn crop in and another, um, 85 between 85 and 90 bucks an acre more to put a soybean crop in. And so that's different for one thing. And then, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, at some point, you know, we can't, you know, stay with quote unquote high prices forever. And so at some point time starts to run out too, or at least the threat of that, Starts to make a person wonder a little bit, you know, how yep. long, how long can we stay up at the six something level before we start to erode that? And so, you know, like I said at the very beginning, the most expensive crop we've ever put in, and and inflation is real, and and I don't think it's, I mean, it's slowed down some, but you know, and I and I well, can talk to what we're seeing there.
0: Yeah, it's ten or fifteen percent year on year, and and that uh, uh, there are other businesses in america that are dealing with a similar increase in inflation it's not just farming i Mm -hmm. get that but man oh man that on top of of the increase for the 22 crop is starting to smart
5: yeah it is and and the other side of it too is like fertilizer and then i'll get to the 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 key mentionables because fertilizer isn't even that key mentionable necessarily but you know on corn it's it's a lot of our a lot of our clients is close to thirty five percent of the total cost of production and a lot of people lock that stuff in and and we're actually been um seeing that that realm of the cost of production coming down a little bit. It's still higher than last year though to the tune of about fourteen percent more than last year from what people got stuff bought the prior year. So you know people yeah. bought some stuff early and and we're seeing increases there. but the the other areas, you know, return to management, land and equipment, those are kind of the mentionables. Yeah. Um, you know, return to management, um, we're up seventeen percent from from last year. Um, we're at about ninety five dollars an acre on on return to management, and that's essentially all your overhead expenses. A lot of times, people forget to throw in the equation, but that is mm-hmm. part of your cost: paying yourself, paying your employees, all that kind of stuff. Yep, and You know, when we look at that, I mean, that's up about 15 bucks an acre, um, which isn't that big, you know, isn't that big of an individual category, but, but inflation is real. I mean, and when, when people make more money, we spend more money, we go on that extra vacation or we, you know, let Mama have the kitchen or whatever, like Davis Michelson said the other day, you know, I mean, there's things there that, that we spend money on. And then the other big one is of course land. That's 29% of the cost of production for our average client right now, up about 13% from last year. So that's different than last year. Um, you know, the, that's about a $38 an acre, um, increase on average. We've seen our client base anywhere from a zero to $127 an acre increase. That's a pretty wide range. Um, you know. Um, so it's kind of all over the board. I, and so, I, I forgot to say on the return to management too, the spread there is anywhere from $42 on the low end to 267 on the high end. So there's about a $225 an acre spread, um, wow. just on that overhead expense. So, wow. It's a wide range. The other, yeah, the other mentionable too is equipment. Um, yep. and, and, and I could do a whole podcast with you on, on equipment, but, um, you know, that's about 13%, 13 to 14% of our, our average cost of production for our average client. Um, anywhere from about the range that we're seeing is about $89 an acre to about 214. So there's a $142 an acre range between the low cost producer and high cost producer. So that's, that's interesting um, to us. And then just seeing, you know, that cost. I mean, you add all those costs up that return to management land and equipment, that's 50% of your cost of production, just those yeah. three categories. Okay. So, you know, and if you want to throw fertilizer in that now you're talking, you know, 75% of your cost of production in four categories. So, yeah. and, and that brings me back to the original part of our conversation of the crop insurance. Yeah. When we've, when we look at crop insurance, our you know and and i i don't have those numbers dialed in as as well as i would like because a lot of people are just getting their quotes now but based on our original quote estimates and kind of where we were at within about a week ago um 19 cents a bushel you know it's it's on corn it's about 3.8% of the cost production so it's a very low as a okay. percent cost production and and people always look at their quotes in terms of cost per acre i i recommend you you calculate that on a cost per bushel. So you can decide between 85 or between 80 and 85 or 75 and 80. Don't let the, what you write the check write what you write the check for give you, you know, sticker shock. Right. Look at what is it on a cost per bushel, because that's how you understand value. It's not what you write the check for. It's, you know, so it's going to cost you seven cents more a bushel to go from 80 to 85, let's say, as an example. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I screw my marketing up more than seven cents a bushel. So you know why not? Why not have that extra protection on a year like this when the threat's probably greater than we've seen since probably 2013.
0: Well, and the and, other thing that that gets you doing then is it gets you thinking about. The return that you're getting for that extra investment, whether it be $0.07 cents a bushel or $0.10 cents a bushel, if it's the difference between locking in a profit and not, I think mm-hmm. I'd write the check to lock it in.
5: Well, and and do you want to protect your working capital? I mean, I was having a conversation yeah. with Steve Johnson earlier today, and you know, one of the things he brought up, which was a good point, is there's going to be some farmers out there that aren't borrowing very much money this year, and they feel pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Well, be careful. Because you're strong now, but what happens if, you know, because if we take 70 cents a bushel off corn and soybeans of our clients currently right now, that puts 80% of our producers in the red. Ooh. We've, we've taken about 29 cents off, 29 to 24 cents, 24 cents I think on soybeans, about 29 on, on corn the last time I ran those numbers, and it was putting about 20% of our guys close to the red. So, you know, we don't have much tolerance for downside price levels, you know, so we, we got to be really cognizant of where that line in the sand is for us. And, you know, and when you think of, you know, you think of the insurance, when you are making that decision to, to mitigate risk, there's really two types of capital. There's financial capital, which you've taken the last three years to really increase it and make it strong. So. You know, I, I would hope we want to protect that, but there's also psychological capital. You know, do you want to be able to sleep at night in the middle of summer? If the 4th of July, we catch a nice rain across the whole Corn Belt, what do you think is going to happen after that long weekend? Mm-hmm. And can you sleep good after that if the prices tank or conversely the other way, if it's a super dry year and, and you you know, yeah you, mm-hmm. you you want to be able to sleep at night? <laughs> especially on a year like this, you know, and if you've, yep. if you've built a working capital, protect it. And if, if you're still working on building it, protect yourself.
0: Right, right. Boy, that makes all the sense in the world. Now, when you say protecting the working capital that you've got in place, does that include, you, you, you got to run the numbers on it, but maybe it includes getting an operating loan rather than pulling from your capital.
5: Yeah. I mean, it sort of depends. I mean, the the line of credit cost of on, I mean, when we look at that individual line on interest, you know, interest costs up about, you know, and we're looking at, and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but a couple bucks an acre spread over a, you know, a 3,000 acre farm starts to add up, you know, and, and, you know, where interest rates are at now versus where they were at last year. And you ask the question, what's different than last year? That's another thing that's very different. And, and to think that these interest rates are going to go down in the next couple of years might be wishful thinking. So, you know, if you do, you know, anything, what can you do to increase working capital, not just protect it? Right. So I think that's one of the things that's really key is, is, is considering that
0: you got about 30 seconds. What's the last thing you want people to hear here, Chris?
5: That's a good question. I mean, I guess I think the biggest thing is understanding what your cost production is in real numbers, um, is sitting down and taking that time to crunch the numbers and make sure they're accurate. Anybody can put together a cost production analysis, but be true to yourself and make sure you really spend some time looking at that return to management category because that's one that You know, we're seeing a $267 spread from the low-cost producer to the high-cost producer. Um, We can help ourselves um, if we spend the time doing it.
0: Good stuff, Chris. Always stuff to think about and uh, some good counsel here. Thanks, man.
5: Yeah, thank you. Love it.
0: All right. Chris Barron, AgView Solutions. Davis and I will be right back. Carry our tax.
1: In the morning, you're coffeeed up, and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. All right, welcome
0: back. I'm Chip. Davis is here. You know, a PTO can break your heart. Oh, it can? Uh, It can break more than your heart if you're not careful.
1: Well, yes, there is a safety issue.
0: There certainly is. There certainly is. Hey, uh, good conversation there with, with Chris Barron. Oh, he's uh, always great. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, uh, this uh, this concludes our educational presentation on things to think about when deciding on crop insurance. We're close enough now to the crop insurance deadline. What is, what is it? The 15th? So there's a week. There's a week left, but we've got a couple of really, really good conversations out there now uh talking about some things to think about it, and using your crop insurance coverage in your marketing plans going forward so take a look at them Jared Creed from last Thursday uh afternoon and Chris Barron from today uh, things we talked about things that can help you get your head straight when you're making that that final decision on crop insurance so uh get it done get it done get it figured out okay Let's bring him in, Kerry Artek, Artek Advisory. How you doing, man?
6: I'm doing good, buddy. How you doing?
0: Real good, real good. Uh, let's get to it. Let's jump right in. May corn.
6: Yeah, May corn. We came off of a long-term support that had been targeted for a couple of weeks. Uh, in the this week, it's actually six seventeen even to six twenty two even combination descending channel bottom about three months in the making on the May chart. And then there's all kinds of support on that weekly continuation chart at 622 even. So we tagged this area. We've come off of it. The question is, will we reach the channel top now on the daily chart that is presently 685 even? In my newsletter, I'm calling this a one to two month likelihood, 685 even, holding above 622 even. On the way up, we do have a buy signal. A near-term buy signal if we can close above 648 even at the end of the week. So 648 even can contain weekly buying pressures, and we could actually fall off from there back into the 617 even to 22 even area within a couple of weeks of testing 648. But if we close above 648 even on Friday, then I think we have a meaningful three-to-five-week rally that'll put us into early April where during that time I would expect 685 even, where May corn could actually top out into its expiration. And that would also be a significant long-term buy signal uh, for the broader market into summer trade if we were to close above 6.85 even. But having tested the low 6.20s last week, that was a big picture long-term support that may actually see this market pull away to the upside as we move into summer anyway but the the accelerator would be a close above 685 even now for the downside if we close below 617 even this market just keeps unwinding down to 555 even I say two to three months on that but with present volatility could be three to five weeks 555 even is a two and a half year long-term channel bottom on the weekly chart that can absorb selling really through the rest of the year, and we can come off that area very nicely. And I might add that if we were to close below 555 even in the coming months, it doesn't look pretty for uh, the broader corn market as we move into summer fall trade. Uh, On to May soybeans. They also came off of a targeted long-term support area last week that was in the upper 1470s, now 1480 even, combination rising. One third speed line projected off the July low of last year. There's also a channel bottom in the same vicinity, holding above 1480 even. I'm saying the broader soybean market, the May contract in particular, maintains a stable to bullish dynamic as we move into later May contract life. Now, there's all kinds of overhead resistance long term, way above the market at 1655 even. I don't expect to see that in the May contract. There's just not enough time left but there are some meaningful upside pivot points. The first is 1552 even. We may actually see 1552 even where we can place a weekly high, possibly back off in the next week but closing above 1552 even would be the first sign that this market wants to rally and i would expect at least 15.95 even within a couple of weeks of closing above 52 15.95 even able to contain buying by that point in time possibly in the may expiration and honestly it would be a settlement above 15.95 even that would clarify 16.55 even as reachable by May expiration, where the broader soybean market encounters on the weekly chart a convergence of two long-term channel formations that can contain buying into possibly through summer trade. As for the downside, this thing turns south. The market becomes very heavy if we close the week below 1480, which I'm not expecting. But if it did, uh, then I see 1425 even within two to three weeks, and by May expiration, 1395 even, where the broader market that would include the July contract could actually bottom out into summer trade. And finally, June live cattle, the cattle markets, whether it's feeder or live cattle, they both have been very strong yeah. following the October lows. The June contract has been testing significant overhead resistance, two channel formations that are longer term in scope. This week, they come together at 162.27. And we've been testing these formations for the last three weeks and backing off modestly. If we close above 162.27, this thing just continues taking off. 167 even then expected within three to five weeks, and we could. There's enough time left in the June contract that if we close above 162.27 at the end of this week, we could actually retest that 2014 all time high at 172.75 by June expiration, another 10 handles north. Until then, this is a uh, hedge setting territory, if you will, in the 162.27 yeah. area, we could over the next uh, few weeks fall to 158.50 and potentially 155 even by June expiration. 155 even would be clearly signaled if we were to settle below 158.50, but 162.27, big overhead test, and this market is having trouble getting up and over it. And that's got really it. all I got, Chip.
0: All right. That's a lot right there, Kerry. Good work, man. Thank you so much. Don't forget. You, sir. Go to RTAC Advisory, A-R-T-A-C Advisory.com, and Kerry will get you started on a two-week free trial of his daily service. Thanks, man.
6: Have a great day. Take care. All
0: right, you too. That's Kerry, RTAC. Okay, hey, thank you so much for listening. Let's, real quick, Mm -hmm. we got time for this. Let's take a look at the National Weather Service 6-10 to Day Outlook. This is for March 12th through the 16th. Below normal temperatures expected over most of the country. The exception... Southwest U.S., the panhandle all the way over to Southern California. Uh, You know, I hate to say it, but even Florida has a touch of some below normal temperatures in there for the 12th through the 16th. Above normal precipitation expected across the Western Corn Belt. Run the line right down Highway 35, you guys, in the middle of the country. and uh, Above normal to the west of that below normal precip in the eastern Corn Belt. Again, thanks so much for listening today. Come back tomorrow morning. We're going to stay on the economy. Vince Malanga, then we're going to talk cattle issues with Justin Tupper from the U.S. Cattlemen's Association.